the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Of election predestination. You get a fight going on about that. You bring up the issue about eternal security. You get a fight going on about that. And you can bring up the issue of Pentecost. And boy, people like to go round and round about Pentecost. Let me say something. I'm going to just say it to you. I've been saying it. This is the fourth time we've been studying this. So by now, if you haven't heard, if you've been you know, here on a regular basis, you know what we're going to say. But Pentecost is not us. I don't know any other way to say it. Pentecost has nothing to do with what God is doing today in the dispensation of grace. If you don't rightly divide God's word, you're never going to understand who you are in the program of God, where you stand in the program of God, and what's going on. When you do understand how to rightly divide God's words, you understand immediately that the, that what went on in the day of Pentecost is not what God's doing today. Pentecost, for example, was not a secret. Pentecost was a prophesied event spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter, speaking as the Spirit gave him, filled with the Spirit, and speaking as the Spirit gave him utterance, said, Acts 2, verse 16 and 17, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. And Peter, the Holy Spirit of God through Peter, says what's going on at Pentecost with the pouring out of the Spirit of God is what Joel prophesied. So in chapter 3 of, of the book of Acts, when Peter says what he's preaching is that which is spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began, that is what's going, that's prophecy. No question about it. You come to the Apostle Paul... And he says what he's preaching is Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Look, you can get this. You don't need to know anything about you don't you don't need to know anything about Greek. I didn't say I didn't say one word in Greek, it's all English. You don't need a college education. You just need some common sense. Something that is spoken about since the world began, and something that was kept secret since the world began. Well, they're not the same. Common sense tells you they're not the same. If you had a mistake machine, you still couldn't make that mistake out of it. That's easy to see. You said, but my preacher, I don't, I'm not, listen, don't worry about your preacher. Don't worry about your church. Don't worry about your status and your standing. Worry about what God says. I mean, just try that out for a minute. So then every one of us should give account of himself to God. Ultimately, he's the one that's the issue. And this is not some difficult theological syllogism that you have to have some capacity to go through mental gymnastics to get to. This is just two little verses in the Bible, Acts 3.21, Romans 16.25. Sit them down there and look at them. They're not the same. <laughs> Pentecost is prophecy. The body of Christ that we're a part of today is the mystery. It was a secret. Joel didn't know about it. He didn't prophesy about it. Peter wasn't talking about it on the day of Pentecost. When you read about Pentecost, the nation Israel is the issue. Three times on the day of Pentecost, Peter says, Ye men of Israel, 
you men of Judea, let all the house of Israel hear these words. <laughs> well, who's he talking to? He's talking to Israel. He singles Israel out. He tells them in chapter 3, you're the children of the prophets. And, and, and you're still who God made you. You're the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with, Abraham, with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kingdom of the earth be blessed. Israel isn't fallen. Israel is still God's channel of blessing to the nations. That's Acts 3. Acts 3 is a chapter after Acts 2. Chapter 2, chapter 3. This is our Bible study now. I mean, this is, this is deep. 3 comes after 2. Well, if what happens in 3 is prophecy, you know what, you know what that means since what's going on in chapter 2? Prophecy. If in Acts 3, Israel is still the children of the prophets and of the covenants which God made to their fathers, you know who, the, you know who God's vehicle, God's agency in Acts 2 is? It's still Israel. Well, the body of Christ isn't like that. The body of Christ is a joint spiritual body where there's Jew and Gentile placed together in one body on an absolute equal basis. There's nothing like that at Pentecost. That's why the programs at Pentecost are so different from the program today. You see, Pentecost ushered in the last days of Israel's program. They were not the first days of, of an unprophesied, unpredicted body, but rather they're the last days. That's why Peter says, and look there at Acts chapter 2, verse 16, he says, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, not the first days, but the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Pentecost ushered in the last days of Israel's program. You see, the actual offer of the kingdom to the nation Israel wasn't made until the message of Pentecost and the early Acts period. If you look down in Acts 2, verse 30, Peter says, Therefore, talking about King David, being a prophet and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to do what? Sit on his throne. You see why Peter said Jesus was resurrected? He said, you with wicked hands crucified him, and, but God raised him up. Why did he raise him up? To sit on David's throne. He said in verse 30, 20, uh, Acts 2.34, David is not ascended into he the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord, God the Father, said unto my Lord, God the Son, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Come up here and sit down until the time for you to go back and destroy your enemies and set up your kingdom. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, verse 36, know assuredly that that same Jesus whom you've crucified, he's made both Lord and Christ. You come to Acts chapter 3, verse 18, but those things which God before had by the mouth of all his prophets has showed that Christ should suffer, he so fulfill. You see, everything Thing that prophecy said would come has been done. 
Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Listen, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus, which before is preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You see, the kingdom wasn't offered until the early Acts period. That's what the Pentecostal era is all about. It wasn't offered until then because the kingdom could not have been offered during the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because it, it couldn't be offered until after the, the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, after the, the New Testament was put into, a for, in, into force. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 17 is very clear. A testament is a force after the death of the testator. So the New Testament could not come into effect until after the death of Christ. Now think about that. Jesus died at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He died in Matthew 27, Mark 14, Luke 23, and John 19. So you have almost all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the earth of ministry of Christ, before the cross. Hence, they are not in the New Testament. Well, the kingdom isn't going to be offered except through the New Testament. Luke chapter 7, verse 24, speaking about his second coming, Jesus said, As lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven shineth unto another part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. That's what my coming is going to be like. But first, verse 25, must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Before I come in my glory and spectacular uh, uh, array, I have to first suffer. You see, he had to die and suffer before the kingdom could be offered. Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection, as he explains on the road to, to Emmaus, he said unto them, verse 25, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scripture the things concerning himself. Well, verse 26, he said, Ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter, and to enter into his glory? You see, the, the Scriptures are very clear that it was first the suffering and then the glory. Well, you have the suffering in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then he can offer the king. So there can't be a real legitimate offer. There wasn't. In fact, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what you have in the early Acts period in the Pentecostal era is the last days of Israel's program where the kingdom is offered to the nation Israel, and Israel, unfortunately, rejects it. And thus, through the fall of Israel, salvation goes to the Gentiles. That's why when Israel begins, when Pentecost begins, there's already a church in existence. The Lord adds to the church such as should be saved. <laughs> when you add to something, it's all, you, there's already something there. That little flock of believers, that little church, that kingdom church that was there at Pentecost, began with John the Baptist— 
as that little flock, fear not little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, began to be formed as John prepared the way of the Lord. Then the Lord comes with his apostles, and they expand that little flock, and they get that little group of believers in the nation Israel, in that apostate nation together, that little church. The word church means belong, it's possessor, belonging to the Lord. Actually, the etymology of the word church uh, it comes out of the Greek language, up through some of the dramatic languages, and it's the word it's the word the Greek word kurios for Lord. And it kind of gets through several different languages, and by the time it gets into English, it's church. Belonging, the possessive form of the of the word Lord. The Lord's belonging to the Lord. But it's a generic term. In Acts chapter seven, verse thirty-eight, we read about the church in the wilderness with Moses. Well, the context tells you that's not the New Testament church. That's an Old Testament church. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, he says he, he's not ashamed to call them brethren and, 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 and to sing in the church. And Hebrews 2, that's a quote from Psalm 22. There's a church in prophecy. That's the church that Jesus said upon this rock, the fact that I am the Messiah, I will build my, the Messiah's church. And so he says, Peter, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. There's the kingdom church. There's Messiah's church. That's what's there on the day of Pentecost. It already was formed. There was not a nothing new began on the day of Pentecost. It's a Jewish feast day given by the law of Moses for Israel to observe, and it's the last day. It's the fulfilling. It's the next step in the fulfilling of Israel's calendar of redemption. So that that issue of Pentecost, there's nothing. It's not. That's not us. That's not a secret program where Israel is set aside and a body of believers uh, of Jew and Gentile on equal basis is established. That's not a program where you, where you read about salvation being by grace through faith plus nothing. In fact, when Peter preached about the, the cross work of Christ in, in Acts 2, he doesn't say, hey, you know, i got good news for you. Christ died for your sins. Did you know you can't find that anywhere in Acts 2? He says in Acts 2, he says uh, that, that Jesus of uh, uh, you men of Israel, Acts 2.22, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. You messed up, dude. You missed him, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that death should, should hold him. Uh-oh, you crucified the wrong guy, and he turned out to be God, and God raised him up. That's why he says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's either going to be your savior or your judge, dude. You need to decide which because he's coming back and in flaming fire going to take vengeance on those that oppose him. But he'll be your Messiah. He'll be your savior. And he gave Israel an opportunity to repent. That's why he said to them in Acts 3, verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers a prophet, Shall the Lord... Um, shall, uh, Shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your your brethren like unto me? Him shall you hear in all these things, whatsoever he saith unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. 
Yea, and from all the prophets, from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You see, Pentecost was not the birthday of something new. It was the last days of Israel's program. It was a Jewish feast day given by Moses and a calendar of redemption that God has for the nation Israel. So Pentecost isn't us. You say, well, then where is us? Well, the body of Christ, the church that we're a part of today, began with the salvation and commissioning of the Apostle Paul, which takes place historically in Acts chapter number 9. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 about his ministry, he says, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, or given to me to send to you, how that by revelation the Lord Jesus Christ made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages, now listen, the mystery of Christ in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Now, what did that verse we just read in Acts 3 say? He said that from Samuel, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets, from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise spoke foretold of these days. So the prophets all spoke about what was going on at Pentecost. Paul said that what he's preaching wasn't made known to the sons of men in time past as it is now revealed. Well, then they're not the same. You can get that. But it has been revealed. First Timothy chapter number 1. Paul says in verse 12, I thank God, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. Think about that. Jesus told Israel, he said, you speak a word against the Son of Man, you blaspheme against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven you. On the cross, Jesus cried, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he, he, he did. He didn't hold that against me. He gave them a renewed opportunity to repent in the Pentecostal era by sending the Holy Spirit. But he warned them, you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, and it won't be forgiven you. So what happens? Paul blasphemes. He blasphemes the Holy Spirit. It's the only person for him to blaspheme. But he said, I obtained mercy. Now, wait a minute. If you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven in this world or the world to come. And Paul says, well, I was a blasphemer, but I got forgiveness. Well, how can that happen? The only way it can happen is that God would interrupt that program, this world and the world to come, interrupt them, and then put in, insert in there a new program. And that's exactly what he does. Verse number 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy. For what cause? That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now think about that. Paul says, in me first, there's a pattern for everybody that comes after me. You see, Paul is the first guy that gets the information. He's the first person 
in the church, the body of Christ. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, According to the grace of God given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth their own, but let every man take heed how he builds their own. For the foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, Peter and the, the apostles, the earthly Israel's apostles, laid a foundation of Jesus Christ in prophecy. Paul comes along and says, I'm going to preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret, but now is revealed. So everything is built on the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's two ways to view him. One is the prophetic way, focused in the kingdom that God vested in Israel. And the other is the secret, unprophesied, unexpected way where you focus on Christ as the head of the church, the body of Christ. And those two programs, well, they're not the same. And the body of Christ, the dispensation of Christ, the church of today, began with the ministry committed to the apostle Paul. That's why Paul would say, I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. That's why if you go to the day of Pentecost and you see Peter ask the question, sir, what must we do? And and Peter would say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you can save yourself from this underworld generation. So they would repent. They would have changed their mind about, we crucified the Messiah. He is God. They'll trust him as Messiah. They would have the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins that would come to them at the Day of Atonement. That's why he said in Acts 3.19, repent that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. They would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He'd be poured out on them. And they would save themselves from this untoward generation, that is, that apostate generation in Israel that the wrath of God is going to fall on. That's why when you go over to Acts chapter 16, when Paul is asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He doesn't say any of that. He just says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. You and anybody else that will believe this, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, why? What, why? Why the difference? Because Paul has been given some information. There's a new program begun. And now you have a completion of the revelation of what God is accomplishing through the cross. First Corinthians chapter number 2, very fascinating verse about why God kept information secret. First Corinthians 2, 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known them, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you realize it was then the wisdom of God he kept this information secret so that he could take the wise in his own craftiness? And Satan did exactly the one thing that undid everything he was doing. And literally, Satan himself instigated the very thing that is God's instrument to undo all of sin, all of Satan's plan, and exalt his son. That's why he kept it secret. That's why when you go back in the Old Testament, you go back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or even in the early Acts period, and look for something that Paul is teaching, you're looking for something God didn't reveal, and the reason was he was demonstrating his wisdom. I look at the clock and I see that I got to go. 
maybe you're happy and I have to go. (laughs) Maybe you're not. I don't know. Let me give you a free Bible study resource. I make these on purpose, just like I make this radio program. You're not just listening to something I did somewhere else or some of our normal meetings. I come and make this program because I just want to talk directly to you and uh, and talk to you about the Scripture, just, just, just us. And I made this study, Why Pentecost Isn't Us, just for our radio audience. But can I tell you, you need to be, you need to be interested in serious Bible study. Uh, if you're not, well, save yourself some time and us some, some of the Lord's money and don't order the, don't request the, the Bible study. But if you are, if you want to see what the Bible actually says about these issues and how right division can clear up the confusion and give light and understanding, then you call us and get a free copy of this Bible study, Why Pentecost Isn't Us. You call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That number again is 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. You can also look us up on the Internet at graceimpact.org, graceimpact.org. That's how you can check us out. You can uh, see who we are, what we're about. And most importantly, you can access a, a host of free Bible study material designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. That's graceimpact.org. And by the way, you can access archives of this broadcast, of our daily Bible Time radio broadcast, as well as our weekly television program, Forgotten Truths, on the website. It's all there. All of this along with written Bible studies, conference messages. Everything is designed to help you to understand and enjoy the Bible. There's a lot of goodies uh, to help you at graceimpact.org. One thing when you're at the website you might look at is the information about Grace School of the Bible. That's our three-year Bible Institute program. If you've ever if you've ever desired to really genuinely be a serious student of the Word of God, if you want to be a perfected saint who can do the work of the ministry, not just a 90-day wonder, not just somebody that gets plugged into a job and they don't know what they're all about, but to have the Word of God work effectually in you because it's gotten, a, it's, it's gotten that, that, uh, that you've got that edification process, that perfecting process of the Word done in your heart. If that's where your your desire is, well, Grace School of the Bible is something you ought to consider because it was designed just with you in mind. It's available on an extension basis, first of all. You don't have to come to us. We'll send the school to you, and you can, you can take the school in the con- context of your own scheduling demands, your own family, your own life, through the use of video. The key to the school, however, is not the delivery system. The key to the school is that the curriculum in the school is based on the design set forth by the Apostle Paul for the, for the perfecting, for the maturing uh, of, of a believer. If a perfected saint is to do the work of the ministry, then you need to be a perfected saint. You're not going to become a perfected saint by being a 90-day wonder. You're not going to pro- become a perfected saint by being trained in the denominational and religious system that, uh, that, that men have developed. You need to follow the divine design set forth in Paul's epistles. And the Curriculum Grace School of the Bible uniquely follows that design. Check it out, graceimpact.org. And my friend, can I tell you, 
If you're still not sure that you have eternal life as a present possession, that all of your sins are forgiven, if you're not confident of that, absolutely sure of that, why don't you call the uh, call our number, 888-535-2300, and tell the folks that answer the phone that you need to know for sure. There's some folks that will sit with an open Bible and share with you the, the wonderful message of God's wonderful grace so that you can be confident that all of your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life as a present possession. Everything starts right there in the Christian life. 888-535-2300. That's the number to call for information. Thanks for being with us today. It's always a joy to have you fellowship with us as we're here. Hope you're making it a habit to be with us each week. Tell, tell a friend about the, our, our study together and get them listening in will, with you, will you? And until we meet this same time next week right here. New Year's resolution that'll matter a hundred years from now. How about what you did for Jesus to start? If you're looking for a church where you can not only worship, but also serve the community and the cause of Christ while getting fed spiritually, then Starlight is what you're looking for. Starlight is a friendly church with traditional services and hymns. For more information, check out starlightbaptist.com or call 407-696-5110. That's starlightbaptist.com or 407-696-5110. Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Odyssey.com, AM 990, and FM 101.5. The Word. A bigger and stronger voice for God's Word is now here. 50,000 watts. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. WTLN, Orlando, where faith comes by hearing. Portions of this broadcast hour are pre-recorded. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. It means that we're developing an attitude of prayer. And when I talk about an attitude of prayer, it's an attitude of dependency. It's an attitude of communication around the Lord. It's an attitude of recognizing God is everywhere and I need to stay connected to Him. So it's an attitude before an action. We walk in the spirit of prayer. So that means wherever we are, it's not just in our head. It becomes our lifestyle. And then take a mental break from our work or school or other activities to spend a moment in prayer. We actually not just um, do it while we're driving or do it while we're doing dishes. We're actually... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.